Our guest today has been acting for acting for nearly three decades. You know how many years that is? 30. Starring in television series such as As the World Turns, Without a Trace, How I Met Your Mother, my personal favorite, uh, 30 Rock, The Following, just to name a few. Uh, you know, in films such as Don King, Only in America, Red Rum, and of course, Us. Today we have Miss Napiria Groves. Ma'am, thank you so much for joining us today, and how are you? I'm good. Thank you. First and foremost, thank you for joining us, and we'll jump right into it. We want to know what inspired you to become an actress. Oh, um, fully loaded question, right off the bat. Um, yes. <laughs> what inspired me to become an actress? I just, you know, I was one of those singing and dancing kids. I paid attention to uh, politics and pageants when I was a kid, um, and music. My father was a musician. My mom had done music. Um, a lot and so and then I my cousins had all went to the school for creative and performing arts in Cincinnati which was like the second kind of national school of the arts in the country after LaGuardia in New York and it was kind of patterned after fame and LaGuardia and um, I started there in the seventh grade so I went to school with like Nick Lachey and uh, Carmen Electra and um, Sarah Jessica Parker apparently I went there years prior to us but um, I started there in the seventh grade and, you know, from there on, it just kind of was, was the bug and uh, was in musical theater and all that stuff, but I wasn't always so sure. So right after high school, I actually majored at Indiana university in journalism because I was tired of what I thought was the arts mm -hmm. and um, I kind of had a writing bug. And so I went on a writing scholarship. I didn't initially go to college for the arts. I went on a um, academic writing scholarship and um, to hell with that after a semester. <laughs> I quickly transferred to uh, Howard and got back in fine arts. And so it's just been a part of me. I'm just kind of that, um, that singing, dancing kid, that little magic kid. Yeah, does journalism still hold a place in your heart? Like, do you see that something you might revisit in the future? God, no. What I know about it now, no. But um, but do I still write? Yes. Do I still, um, you know, honor and respect that craft? Yes. Um, but what it has turned into today, and actually what turned me off even back then was like the sensationalism of it all. And um, it's really hard to just be a true journalist to speak truth. Now, one thing we noticed uh, when you were, I believe, 18, you, of course, landed your first credited role. Clearly, you had been acting and dancing, like you say, since a kid. But as far as your first credited role, you uh, were in the film Airborne. And, of course, that was alongside the actors like Jack Black and, I believe, Seth Green. Can you tell us what that experience like to finally be cast and feel like, hey, I'm on my way and just to chart that first step in your career? Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know what that was. We were, you know, that film took place in Cincinnati. So they were like on location. They shot it in Cincinnati and they shot a lot of it at my school. And so um, I was actually 16 when I was cast in that. Um, yeah, I was like 16 or 17, something like that. Um, and I remember these really cool kids from California was like, they're telling us these like wild and crazy stories. And we were like corn fed 16 year old, 15, you know, like what? And um, I just remember thinking, wow, these guys seem to really be happy doing what they're doing. Um, they seem, and, and Jack Black in particular was just like, as you could imagine, super awesome. And mm -hmm. like so giving and like, just really like, so you guys want to do this? When you come out, you know, hit us up, give us a call, give me a call, like, you know, like, and, um, you know, for little 16, 17 year olds in Ohio, that was kind of cool to be around. But yeah, I didn't know that I necessarily had like even booked my first role. I just, it was just another kind of gig. And um, I remember just thinking, wow, this is fun. And everybody that's involved seemed like they're having fun. So we read that you were actually crowned the Miss District of Columbia, USA, while attended Howard University in D.C. Um, and you even went on to appear in the 1997 Miss USA pageant where you were honored with uh, the Miss Congeniality Award. 
Um, what was that world like, especially in comparison to working in film, the, the pageant world? Kind of like mind blowing because I, as much as I like paid attention and like just looked at it for fun, I didn't really do a lot of it. My senior year at, in high school, I ran for something called Miss Black Cincinnati. <laughs> um, and I won that. And I was like, what? I didn't even know anything about it. I just like won it. And I was like in high school and I was like, what? But that was pretty much the extent of like me doing anything. So then when I was at Howard, it was my second year at Howard. Um, I was doing a play uh, called As You Like It. It was a Shakespeare play. And after rehearsal, I'm like walking and my girl was like, yo, you know, I miss Cincinnati. I miss District of Columbia, right? And I was like, yeah, she was Miss DC at the time. She's like, yo, you need to come down and like join the pageant because we like need more girls. And I was like, nah, man, I'm doing this show for school. I have a job off campus. I have like a million things to do. I can't do a pageant. She's like, no, I promise. Like, it'll be worth your time. And I'm like, mm. so I did it as a favor to my girl. And then I won. And then um, within three weeks, I had to be ready to go down to uh, to Miss USA. And at the time, it was Donald Trump's first year owning the pageant that year. And um, it was seedy. And I was like, Mm-mm. but uh, I made I'm the person that just going to have fun. And so somehow those girls voted me Miss Congeniality, which to this day, I'm still really honored because I was the youngest person in the pageant that year. And so I was just there for the ride. So I was really grateful. So I was there when, the same year as Claudia Jordan and Allie Landry, I think, was was crowning someone. When your friend said it'd be worth your time, was that like what what did she mean by that? Did, was <clears throat> did she know what you were trying to do in your career? Or was that something that Yeah, she was just like, I know you're busy, but like it'll be fun. This is what she was because Everybody knows I just like that fun. That it was fun. before she so knew she Donald was like, Trump no, was going to be running yeah, it. <laughs> it'll, well, that part went. But um, she was like, yeah, it'll be worth your time. And I just, she just thought it would be good for me. And so in retrospect, I'm grateful to her for even seeing what I could not see at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ended up being, it ended up being a great experience and something that, you know, I'm still fond of talking about. It's, it seems like you do have a lot of experience and not just, like you said, when it comes to film or television or, you know, writing journalism. From the research that we've done here, clearly you've also acted in a number of stage productions. Um, things in the uh, Oliver, of course, uh, Jelly's Last Jam, say that 10 times fast. Uh, Shakespeare's As You Like It, uh, Bright Lights, Big City, Spamalot uh, on Broadway, of course, and the U.S. version of Dream Girls. Like, I mean, I didn't know if you're Effie or not, but I know you're blowing and wailing and whatever you were doing with that. With that being said, talk to us about those experiences. Like I say, as you know, film and stage are completely different. So, what was that like? I come from theater, so my background was in theater. Um, uh, I, like I said, I was raised on musicals and and plays and a lot of black and white movies as well. So my mom was like an oldie like classic movie person. Um, but uh, I gravitated when I was younger, I gravitated more towards theater. I just, um, I thought it was a good foundation. And actually after I did Bright Lights Big City, I booked Bright Lights Big City my last year of college. So it was actually like my last semester. And um, it was my first New York big New York show other than Dream Girls, which I had did my my junior year of college at Howard. I did that on the road on tour. And so Bright Lights Big City was like my first like professional in New York, off Broadway. Uh, you know, I was opposite at the time Patrick Wilson and Michael Bright was directing it. And Michael Bright was coming off of Rent, um, directing Rent and all of that success. And so it was kind of it was nerve wracking to me. And I thought, you know, I'll do this and just like mutter away, but it ended up being great. And I got my first New York times review, which was ended up being really lovely and and sweet. And so with that, I went to LA and I remember Denzel Washington saying to me at a, uh, at an event, he said, you know, this is before I did that. He had said, 
go to New York first. He said, you know, you're pretty, but go to New York first because because you're pretty, nobody's going to ever believe that you can act. And go get your chops wet for it. Like, basically, he was telling me, you know, go get that New York credit. So after Bright Lights, Big City, I came to L.A. because I, I felt like I had my little New York Times review and my little, you know, authentic off-Broadway uh, credit. And to this day, though, I still love theater. I wish I could do more of it. But there's just, you know, obviously now there's not a lot. But even in Los Angeles in general, good theater is hard to come by. I was aware when I, I, I looked into Bright Lights Big City when I saw you had a part in that, that um, Michael Greif was, is, you know, the he brought us rent. Um, I was not aware that you were sharing the stage with Patrick Wilson. That's really interesting. I like, I mean, he's great. And I, my first time seeing him was hard candy. I thought he was incredible yeah. in that. Um, but I have also heard that he's a very, um, how would I put it? Um, uh, intense. Uh, he, he approaches the craft with a very intense level of like, and I, won't, I don't even know if it's, if it's method, but he's just very, very serious about his work that he does. What was it like working with him? Yeah, so you got to, so Patty was like, um, he was a Carnegie Mellon guy. And these guys have been working on uh, Bright Lights Big City from workshops. So they had done several iterations. And Patrick at the time, I think, was dating Sharon. Sharon, I can't remember her name, but she had like booked a pilot and had to leave. And so that's how the lead girlfriend, the lead love interest opened up. And so when I booked it again, I hadn't even fully graduated from college. I was like this nobody. And he was very intense and very amazing, like so good. And the cast was amazing. And so I felt a little, I was super intimidated, but I also felt confident in kind of what I was bringing to the table. I knew that I had not been cast for nothing. So um, I think there was this moment of just like earning the respect. But once I got it, he and I were like, and uh, I'll still run into him randomly in New York. And, you know, it's all love. It's all good because they taught me so much just coming right out of college um, about approaching the work from all aspects, from a musical standpoint, from the acting standpoint, and just like, I mean, yeah, I went hardcore with him. Um, and we got to be in love for a long time, for about at least three months. <laughs> Let me take you down a trip down memory lane. The year is 2000. My space is the rave. And one other thing that is the rave is that you started the film called Killjoy. Now, by Hollywood standards, of course, that, that budget, me and him discussed, it was about $150,000. And that's, you know, pretty low budget for a horror film, or any film for that matter. But since then, you've worked on some pretty substantial film, film sets with high budgets. But what we wanted to know, what, what are the highs and the lows, or should I say the pros and the cons of working on something like Killjoy and having to really put your all into it and knowing that, hey, listen, this thing could happen or it can't. What is it? What's that feeling like? So I probably should say this, but... Um... Go ahead. I'm cringing <laughs> that you guys um, brought up because <laughs> I was so young and I came out here and it was like it was like one of the first jobs I I booked out here in Los Angeles and you know I just was kind of like whatever like okay but um, I didn't know anything about budgets I didn't know anything about you know it was like my agent at the time was like you booked it. There's some nudity in it. And I was like, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> um, so there, it, yeah. So the one thing about Killjoy, I will say, um, there were like some young folks. We were all kind of together on this, on this like horror film. And I just remember being on set and having to do this kind of like sex scene. And it was like, stupid and dumb and the role wasn't worth it and I was kind of like oh okay and just when I thought that was really bad my parents were like yeah we're so excited we want to watch this movie that you're in and I was like <laughs> and by that time they back then it was blockbuster or whatever and they were like 
no, we're going to watch it tonight. And I was like, no, you guys shouldn't watch it. And then they went on and they watched it and they were like, well, I don't think my dad did. I think my dad was actually like, no. No, um, right. But what I learned to answer your question, I'm sorry, what I learned from that is um, I had no idea how many people saw that movie. I had no idea how many like horror underground horror fans would like something like that. And the director, Craig uh, Ross, Craig Ross um, is still, you know, a, you know, I still see him around every now and again. And, you know, we're all like, that's where we began. That's like, so you, you embrace it because it is a part of your history, but at the same time, you're like, ooh. Hey, even Stanley Kubrick bought all of the original prints to his first film to make sure that it was never seen by anybody ever again and could hopefully be forgotten. So even somebody you know with what? Stanley Kubrick has regrets. Good idea. I actually, if it was possible for me to do it, I would. That, that can't happen anymore. Not in the age of like no. digital media. It's out there now forever. It's out there. And so you just, you let it live. But it did teach me, you know, it taught me that a lot can be done on a small budget. That's one thing I learned, you know, once I started getting into more television and film that, and I feel like even one of my things as a producer now that I've produced, you know, you can get a lot done with very little. In Hollywood, they make it, um, we have the luxury often to spend the money. But when you're an independent filmmaker or you're just trying to get something done that speaks to you, you can do a lot on a very little budget. From 2001 to 2004, you star in As the World Turns as Bonnie. Can you tell us a little bit about that character? Yeah, she was Scottish. <laughs> she was she was half Black, half Scottish. Um, she was probably my second role out of LA that I had to move back to New York to do. Um, and uh, she was a prince. She was a duchess. Yeah, she wasn't a princess. She was a Scottish duchess. Come to find out her father was royal blood. And these were characters. My mom was Tamara Tooney, on the sh uh, Jessica on the show, but the great actress Tamara Tooney. And uh, the father was like a character called Duncan who had been on the show for like 20 years. And so I was his daughter and, and, uh, and Jessica's daughter. And her name was Bonnie and she was snooty and spoiled bratty because she spent most of her life in Europe. And then she comes back to this small town and as the world turns to stir up trouble. She starts off being kind of bad girl, but she ends up being really sweet and saving her mom from a rape thing and just being this really lovely arc of a character. For me, I always say my experience on the soap was grad school. It was, it was my grad school because it was the next thing I did basically after college. And I was there for three years, almost four years. And um, it was just great post acting work that I got paid to do, but it was very corporate in that you're on a corporate network and your um, corporate hours. So. I, I was curious about like when you're working on um, the same project for three to four years, like I'm sure like the plus side of it, I'm, I'm curious about the, the cast and crew probably becomes more like a second family. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure there's like the downside of where it might start to feel like this is everything you were trying to escape by becoming an actress is you, like artists usually they want to have variety they you know we're kind of known for being ADHD we want to jump from one thing to another so like the acting lifestyles kind of yeah. suits that where you don't have to spend too long on any one particular project and one character um, so could, could you speak on that as far as like what that experience is, was like for you at the, the pro and the con of being on something for you know three or four years yeah I think the are, are kind of similar to what you said in that you can, you're, it's like a corporate environment. So you're up, you can have a call time maybe as early as seven. Um, so you're out of the house by six, you're in the chair, makeup chair at seven, and you're never there past five. So if you have a family, you're home, dinner, tucking in your kids. You can maybe even wake up, have breakfast with them, depending on your shooting schedule. And you never work weekends. You work Monday through Friday. Um, 
So if you're older with a corporate, I mean, like, you know, for that kind of job that paid well back in the day, they don't pay I hear as much anymore. But back in the day, it was like, I guess, gravy for folks that wanted that life. If you were a little younger, like, like me and some of my other colleagues at that time, you know, you do get a little antsy after, you know, the same storyline recycles over and over again, or, you know, this character is doing something that just is ridiculous and you have really no say in it. Um, and after a while, you do feel like I want to stretch myself a little bit more. I want to be somebody else. I want to be recognized as somebody else. Um, and so when you're younger, it's harder to stay. So I left after, yeah, I left after about four years. It was almost four years. One more question. Okay. I'm, I'm strangely fascinated by the world of show, soap opera production. I think because I grew up on them with my grandmother when mm -hmm. I was a kid. Then I just, I, I've also heard that in, in productions with soap operas that it's like the page per day is, is so much more significant than what happens on a film. Like the shooting schedules where you say, you know, you're, you're having like normal business hours, but the, like how much are you shooting per day? And I, like, I heard there's not a lot of time, like, Oh, we're doing one take of this, whatever it is, we're running with it. So give it your best. Oh, the training ground is like no other, like none other. That's why I call it my grad school. Because I don't think there's a graduate school in the country, and I would be willing to put Juilliard up there, where you're going to get a better education at the age that I was in my early 20s mm -hmm. than a soap opera layout. Because, yeah, you're getting, sometimes you might have 15 pages, depending on how many, 20 pages, 30 pages. My first shooting day, I shot, they were shooting two episodes in one day. I shot six scenes my first day. And each scene was about five to six pages. So I was looking at like 30 pages my first day of shooting. And it was like all body, 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 because they were like fitting stuff in. Just, just for reference, like a normal shooting day is probably maybe three, four pages if you're really good, like on no, a film. A shoot, no, 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 no. A normal shooting day on a soap is probably about six to... 10 pages depending. But in, in comparison to a film, we're talking like three, oh, like yes. maybe oh, two, yes. three yes. pages yes. a day. Yes. So yeah, you're talking, when you're talking about doing 30 pages in a day, that's, it's oh, still, crazy. it's the same font size, people. It's just that, like, there's, <laughs> there's nothing magical happening here other than the fact no. that they're. And there's no, I think people used to think, oh, they're holding up, uh, you know, you can I, read I, I, the, cards and stuff. Nope, the no, cue cards. So it's like, no, I gotta end go. Let me tell you, them veterans, they had no patience for you, honey. You better come in there ready because they take pride. In, and so if you came in there like, oh, wait, oh, line, line, honey, they gave you about two looks and you better be on your game. Yeah, wow. they, was not, they were not playing, which was, so to this day, if you give me a scene, to this day, I can probably, I can learn about three scenes if you hand it to me to this yes. day. I did want to ask you about one thing. One of my, uh, I'm going to be honest with you, the first time I was introduced to you was, uh, and I never thought we'd be doing an interview together. Like, I fell in love with how I met your mother. Like, I caught it in syndication really late. And then, like, one of my favorite characters was Barney Stinson. And so, uh, like, I was like, wow, they gave Barney a girlfriend. Wow, they gave Barney a black girlfriend. Wow, they gave Barney an actual black girlfriend that is not Latina, a uh, light skin. She's actually chocolate. Oh, I really love this show now. So in 2006, you played Tanya, one one of Barney Stinson's many dates on How I Met Your Mother. Tell us about the experience and what was it like working on the show? It was really cool. First of all, it was Neil Patrick Harris. So that, when you talk about one of those times where like, I it was a small role, but I kind of was like, it's Neil Patrick it's, Harris. I don't really it's, do, it's Doogie Howser. Let's be real. It's Doogie Howser. It's Doogie Howser. It's Neil Patrick. I'm yes. like, that's one of those times I was like, yeah, okay, I'll take it. I don't care what they want me to do. I will just, you know. Um, and then again, it was one of those things where like, I've worked on other shows where people are not so gracious about you coming in as a guest star in their home. Because when people have been on shows for a long time, it becomes their home. And so they're not as open. And there was another show that was wildly popular. I was on, I won't say whatever. And it was, 
an awful experience. Big Bang Theory. Friends. It was Friends. Big Go ahead and say it was Friends. It was Friends. It was no, it was that 70s show. I mean, I mean. Uh, oh, hey. Topher. It's okay. We got you. We got you. Um, I, uh, yes. So this, this was just one of those things where everybody was lovely and he was lovely and they were so gracious and, you know, they allowed me to play and. It's nice when you get to go in someone's home and play. I, I completely concur. Now, in 2009, let's fast forward about three years, and you, you, clearly we did our research. We're not going to do any lazy jobs when it comes to working Damn, with the perfect. Really, well, like, I mean, hey, you know, we knew you, had, we're, you we knew you were going to put on your lipstick. So, in 2009, you starred in another fantastic show, Thirty Rock. Uh, what was it like working on the set of that? And like you say, it was different between that '70s show, uh, How I Met Your Mother. What was the difference between How I Met Your Mother and being on Thirty Rock? Thirty Rock, I get a call. I'm in LA. I get a call and was like, hey, they want you for this for for this part on 30 Rock. Um, I had already loved loved the show because this was like in the third season or second or third season. I can't remember which season, but they were already 30 Rock. And I was like, okay, yeah, when? And they were, you have to get on a plane tonight. And I was like, what? And I kind of didn't have my, my excuse me, my stuff together. And I was like, okay. Got on a plane. I landed at like four o'clock in the morning because you know when you take that red eye, you get to New York at like four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. It was freezing. It was like ice freezing. All I had was the blanket. I just came out from LA. I had my flip flops. I had like one bag. So I was going right back to LA, even though I had an apartment in New York. I had the airplane blanket my manager my old manager still talks about me because i had the airplane blanket and i'm like trying to get a cab to queen someone's trying to offer you (laughs) like five o'clock in the morning and i get there and i was so tired and we started shooting like that morning they let me stay in my dressing room thank god until it was time to shoot and um and then like i'm like on set i'm like this blonde chick on set and everybody was so freaking cool and the material was so good that even though i was jet lagged and you know we shot it all in one day um i was jet lagged i was exhausted it didn't matter i like my adrenaline was like like it like it was tina freaking thing and jane krakowski like and were you is that on set like at 30 Rockefeller or is that is that on a stage no they shot actually in um I forget the name of the studios in Queens but it was like under Queens Bridge so okay. like it's like deep it was like in Queens um I forget the name of that studio but that's where a couple of NBC shows were shooting and I was just first of all that's another show they move like this they're not playing and Tina was really great because her, uh, come to find out, she went to UVA. My now husband goes to UVA, England. And so I'm from Cincinnati. So we just like hit it off like nobody's business. And yeah, we were able to knock it out, but they move fast. In 2012, you were a lead in a short comedy about professional uh, pillow fighting called Featherweights. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna bring up short films, but it just seems so interesting. Um, I was just curious to know more about it and how you became involved with it. My manager at the time, her um, really really good friend, and now he's gone on to do some HBO stuff. I think. Um, but at the time, he was just kind of like, I think he was graduating from AFI or something or whatever, and like he was doing this short. It it was hilarious to me that it was like this form. It was pre glow, so. Mm-hmm. It was like based on him trying, it was this comedy of him trying to turn this pillow fight tournament into like something marketable and hot. And so he was just getting random. The characters were like these random chicks off the street. Um, but it was this one chick that took it really, really seriously. And he was trying to turn it into this kind of big dub, like women's sport, almost like a wrestling sport. But we were like in lingerie and, um, I just thought this is this is kind of hilarious. And anytime, anytime I get to do something fun from a woman standpoint, we're like we get to be silly but feminine and uh, you know just not the same old same old. I'm I'm down for it. I'm I'm here for it. So it was fun. It was quick. 
So clearly, anytime you uh, you mention working with Tina, Tina Fey, working with people who you worked with in the past, when you get to work on a project and you know it's special, like for me, I I feel like I we all aspire as actors and actresses to work on that project. But like, if I don't ever work again, I was a part of this. So no matter how small or big the role. So with you, that's happened a couple of times in your career, but we uh, we reached out to you regarding us, and clearly you got to play Dr. Foster. Now, I'm not going to lie. I've seen you in the film. I've seen the film at least 10 times, so I've probably seen you at least eight. You know why? Because I have to, this point of view, ver I feel like a peeping Tom. I'm looking at you. I'm like, yeah, that's her. No, it's her. Look, let me in the room. I want to see her full, and it's and like. She, she's one of the only characters that you only see her through a mirror. Yeah, and, it, and it's just crazy, but I, I wanted to say that to me, it, like, we see you be quirky, we see you do all these things in the past, but now you're being a serious doctor and it shows your range. So what was it like being on set, getting cast for that and that experience? What was that like? So that was wild. Uh, us, you know, it was just like a normal audition, except like I went into this really small with casting, left, didn't hear anything, and then they called and said, you know, we want you for this role. We have a fitting like tomorrow. And I would say that was probably like in July or something. And I was like, whoa, okay. And so I went to this fitting, but I knew nothing about this project. This project you gotta understand was like top, top secret for a long time. In fact, it was under another name. I went out for a film called Cutters or something. It was like Cuts. Yep. Or Cut or something. Yeah. Like cuts, cuts or Cut or whatever. So knew nothing about it, got booked, went in for the fitting, and the fitting, she was the, the, the head of wardrobe. I didn't really know her, but when she kept talking, I realized I, you know, like, yeah, well, when we did Superman or Batman or something, 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 and I was like, wait, wait, she did what? Then I'm looking around and I'm seeing Lupita on the wall. I'm seeing different people on the wall in wardrobe. And I call my man and then she's, oh, she's taking pictures. And they're like, well, we have to ask Jordan about this. I don't know what they're doing. So I leave wardrobe, call my manager. I'm like, guys, what, what is this project? And they're saying Jordan. And I, and are they talking about Jordan Peele? <laughs> yes. And, and my managers are like, hold on, let me check. I don't know. They didn't really know. So they went and looked. They were like, oh, yeah, it looks like it's that under that really secretive movie they've all been working on. I was like, how y'all didn't tell me this? How you didn't tell me I was going to be working with Jordan Peele? Like, what? Because I was already like such a huge, you know, fan of, of the work. And, I, you know, so that happened. Didn't hear anything. Wow. You know, had wardrobe. In the middle of that, I find out I'm pregnant. After my first fitting, I find out I'm pregnant. And uh, fast forward to by the time it was time to shoot and get back in that outfit that I had shot back in, I mean, that I you know, did wardrobe for in July, it was now uh, September or October, something like that. Mm. And I was showing a little bit because <laughs> I, you know, I was now several weeks pregnant and I was like, holy shit. And it was so, it was the first time that I was like, oh, well, like where work didn't come first. And I was Life like, came first. Yes. I was like, they're probably not, I'm going to get on this set. And I still hadn't told anybody. I was still in my first trimester, but I was definitely at the end of it. And I was like, I might not be able to do this project. I'm going to get on set. This is not who they hired. I don't know. And I got on set and I was nervous. And my husband was like texting me. He's like, so what happened? And I get in wardrobe. They bring the outfit to me. And I have a bit of a belly. But I just look like I have a belly. I don't look like pregnant. But I just look like maybe a little poochie. But I got there. And that experience. I get on set, and first of all, Jordan Peele, I, I mean, we know him to be like this Academy Award winning person now, but we all knew him as, you know, on the show and being funny initially mm -hmm. with uh, Keel. Key, what's his name? Key Michael Peele. Yeah, no, yeah. Key, Key Michael Key. Something about their names together always. Yeah, Key and Peele. I can't Key say them apart. I can say yeah, Key yeah, and Peele, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I can't say them apart. Anyway. Sister Little Evil. 
There we go. So we're sitting there. I'm on set. He's giving direction. He's amazing. He's giving all this amazing fucking direction. And he's like, so funny. He's hilarious. And he's like cracking jokes. And he's like, and we're like killing the scene. I'm on like Yaya's in the scene with me. And we're like doing this scene. And he's like, y'all motherfuckers didn't come to play. Y'all didn't come to play. Y'all killing this scene. Hold on, hold on. And he's like reading, going in and rewinding. He's like being that peel, not like what I was, a, you know, this Academy Award winning peel. He was being like the guy that we all like kind of fell in love with on the Comedy Central show. And you just forgot. Like I forgot that he's funny as hell and kind and sweet. And fast forward, I was, there was a moment where this, the, the girl that sits in, um, she's, you know, when we're doing lighting and she's like, oh my God, how are you? She's like, how many months are you? And I'm like, I was like, you could, and I blinked and tears just started coming down my eyes. And she goes, no, no, I just, she's like, my mother works with, 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 um, with children and moms. And I just knew from instinct, I didn't see. And I was like, but I'm going to get fired. <laughs> and I didn't get fired. Nobody knew. And then it was all over. And I told Jordan that I, you know, I was like, this has been great, great opportunity. And yeah, I thought I wasn't going to be able to do it. I'm preggers. And he was like, you so are. Te so technically this wasn't the first, this was the first role you and your kid got together is what you're telling me. Yeah. Well, we, we well, right he here. didn't get it. Hold on. He didn't book it with me. It's just about a time I <laughs> shot it. He, just he was there. <laughs> he didn't book it with me because he wasn't, I didn't know he was there. But oh. um, yeah, oh, he was tethered and you didn't know it. Yeah, he was like, you know, I didn't know. And then by the time I shot, yeah, he was definitely present. But as you can see in the movie, I'm sitting behind a desk. So God worked it all out. I'm not even movie magic. Love It's and movie I, magic. I was going to ask about that when you were when you were shooting those scenes, were you aware how the end result was going to look that you were going to be? It's almost like they're trying to put a veil between you and the audience like i mean the focus yeah. is obviously on the daughter in that scene and it's her perspective seeing you through the through the mirror um yeah. did you know that that's how it was going to play out so i figured it while we were on set first of all i gotta tell you this is the fastest film shoot i've ever been on in my life like i came in at 11 or 12 and i was out of there by like 4 or 35 and this is like a huge set movie I, so i quickly knew i will say this he shot this he shot the film through the door i mean the, the camera is in the door facing me and i'm talking to the parents and i mean you have yaya there and he was on his like rise doing all the stuff he was doing and then um oh the sister's name her name is escaping me but the, the young woman who played the mom and they're shooting, 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 shooting. And we do all these takes and we, you know, and he's giving us notes and we're all acting, you know, and they're crying on the other side of me or whatever. And they're like giving me so much and we're doing, having these, and he never turned it around. Wow. Wow. He never did a turnaround. And I was like, wait, how does that work? I was like, wait, wait you know. Where's my angle? Where's my, I need mine. I'm going to do me. Well, no, like, no, it was all on me. He never turned it around on them. Wow. So the camera's in the door facing Dr. Foster because the camera is supposed to be what she saw, what the little girl saw. Right. So right. she's looking in, overhearing, and her image is just me talking to her parents. And he never, and he said, he's like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's just how I'm going to freak it. And he's like, we ain't turning around. And I was like, what do you mean you're not turning around? He's like, yeah, when you turn around, I, and I never, I've never been on a set. I've never been on a film set or even a, a television set where they didn't turn around and get that other side. So, um, I'd love to hear what you're saying because to me, what we try to do with our program is not we have fun with the program, but we also try to teach people who are coming into film. And one of the things me and him decided to do years ago when we were going to do film is like, no, we're not going to go by the Hollywood standard of I'm not going to berate or belittle an actor or an actress. I want to make them feel comfortable because to me, that's how I'm going to connect to them and make them bring the best out of them. And it seems like 
I, I mean, you're bringing insight we didn't know. Like you say, if I would have come on set with Jordan, I would think, okay, here's this Academy Award winning. He's not going to still be relatable to. And what you're telling is you're pulling the curtain behind us and saying, this is actually happening. You've never been on a set like this. He knew what he wanted. He made you feel comfortable. And the result was what everyone wanted. So to me, it, it, yeah. it makes us test ourselves to say as artists that we have to stand up for what we know. We're, we, we're, we can't, I cannot go on set and let someone belittle me. You know, because I know who I am, and and that's the Hollywood I want to live in, and I think that's what you guys are bringing, so I like that. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, and he was so clear on how that was going to turn out, and he didn't even, what I was shocked on, like, even if he knew he was going to shoot it that way, you always get the other side just for safety, because in post, you'll want the safety of it. He was just like, nope, that's not not what we're doing, and he was still, like, fun and still, like, you guys are killing, y'all are killing this. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Let me make this tweet. Okay. Can you write, can you say this line like this? Can you say, and like, it was all happening on the set. So the set felt very alive, but it also, I knew that this was a big budget film. And I also knew that it was very secretive. You you did get that vibe that like, once you were on the set, shut up, like non-disclosures, everything. It was very, very quiet. Um, even from my trailer, like I didn't, you know, post anything crazy that would give anything away but to me I just thought wow how when I finally saw the final product I was like god that was so brave like how did he just like and if he just did that with Milo saying god knows how many other things he was doing throughout the film but to to not have even a safety net and turn that thing around I thought was just like and it turned out right when you watch his movies there's so much attention to detail and it's nice to know like you say that um to know that these aren't just accidental details that someone who is just kind of experimenting their way through the process are accidentally landing on. That may be some of the case, but to know that he's somebody that actually, he know he has a clear vision, he knows exactly what he wants and he shoots for it. Um, that That's the great thing about his movies is that they have this interpretive quality where you can really look at all the little details and draw different interpretations yeah. from them. For you, what like what was it? What was your interpretation when you saw us for the first time? We were scared to death, my husband and I. We uh, we went to the cast and crew screening um, at Universal, and um, I was uh, four days away from having the baby, and so I was very huge going to the premiere, and, or it was technically a screening. Um, we were scared because we don't like scary movies. I know I've done a couple of them at this point, but we're like scaredy cats and we don't really like, we're scared. So we went in like this and, um, I was just trying to make sure I was still in it. Like I wasn't sure. I mean, I guess cause they asked me to come to the screening, might, I might be in it, but I wasn't sure. Um, but you know, when you only did a day of shooting in a huge film, you're like, did I even make the cut? So um, when we saw the film, we were thrilled that one, it was watchable. It wasn't so scary and so gory that, you know, and it was these amazing, beautiful black folk doing characters that had levels, that had dimensions, that had uh, interesting story and lines and history behind it. And um, so that was that was really cool. I mean, as far as interpretation, per se, um, I don't really, I, you know, I had questions of my at the end of myself. And I remember the producer coming up to me afterwards and he was like, and first of all, my husband and I, because when the scene comes back around at the end in like retrospect, you know, when it's telling, my husband and I were like, yeah, yeah. Came back around two for one. We were like <laughs> high-fiving. But the producer was just saying, like, he was like, yo, man, we went back and forth so much on that scene and, like, just making sure it was a part of telling the story because it's such a pivotal part is when you realize that she wasn't speaking because it wasn't her, you know? It's it's so much an integral part. And he was like, man, he was like, it just, it just, you know, he was like, it was just so worth it to here's a testament to everything that you've done I went back and watched it I mean we clearly have seen this a bunch of times but um, I rewatched it about three nights ago and what I discussed with him was earlier in the show was that I don't even know if you realize it but 
your courage for to like I say still go on set and do everything with your pregnancy and play that part your character's part really is it makes the film in the sense of this because you your character was the one that told them if she's not speaking express yourself in a different way and she thought expressing herself through dance ironically that's what triggered everything that happened down there when they saw her dancing with the tether they're like oh you're different so she became their leader so had you not said that we wouldn't even have a movie thank you so, so what much saying. That's what he was saying. i remember i was like wow that was really it's really cool but it's such a small you think it's so small but, but it not. ended up being beautiful very uh it comes back around and being very pivotal and so yeah i thought it was great i mean i had my baby on the opening day of the film march 22nd oh. so well, what's what's 22 time what's 22 and a half what's half times 22 11 11 wake up 11 11 we got you man what yeah it was um i had the number one movie in america and a baby at the same time it was pretty so my interpretation of us was that it was a great gift. Now there, and I don't know if the story you just told, I don't know if anything could top that, but the, the last question we have about us is if there, um, aside from being pregnant through the, okay, uh, but besides from being pregnant through the production, from having your baby during the premiere, um, was there anything from the set that, that you'd like to share or a particular memory that stood out to you? Beyond the most incredible craft services I'd ever had. I had lots during that whole um, but beyond that, I would say probably working with Jordan. I mean, um, and just being so at ease and forgetting about what got us all there in that moment, but just really being able again to like, I love it as an actor when I can play. I mean, I think one of the biggest motivations for me in acting is that I get to be not me and mm -hmm. I get to be someone else. And it's really, really cool when someone lets you do that and honors that with you and just allows you to play. And he was so like happy, happy. You rarely see directors actually happy. Yeah. And, you know, even with our little scene there that day, he was just happy. He was coming in and he was talking to me about it and talking to me about you know, how the parents, you know, could have easily been his parents and like giving us so much background on this one little scene that all I could do was be like, oh, this is this is cool. This we're going to play and have fun. And he was throwing us different lines that we were just throwing at each other and stuff. I'm not quite sure exactly which ones needed and which ones didn't. But um, I remember most working with, with Jordan and, and afterwards he and I sharing just a parent moment where I was like, yeah, I'm pregnant. He's like, what? And he, at the time, I think he had like a one-year-old and two-year-old or something. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, I have another one at home. And we just had this kind of parent bonding moment where like all of even production fell aside and we were just talking about the joys of, of, of being parents. There's definitely yeah. a certain quality to his movies where you can sense this energy that there was a joy in the process of bringing them to life. There's this, yeah, yeah. Even yeah. me, me and you discussed this, and we're gonna let you go. We don't want to take much. I, I know sleep is important with that one year old there, but uh, one of the things we talked about, like you say, with Jordan and everything, is that to me, me and him have this discussion all the time about you know we're gonna you know break the color outside the lines, do what we have to do. And one of the things we noticed was that we talked about with him being on Key and Peele, it was, you've heard the phrase before, buck dancing and cooning and doing all this other stuff. Like as talented as he was, he had to prove himself from a comedic standpoint first before someone would even give him a chance in a different genre. So that's why I say it's important to see I really feel like people who are meant to work together will work together. And I want to speak to you on that to tell you, like I say, when we did our research on you and seeing you on screen and now talking to you, it's so comforting meeting you to see that you're a genuine person. It's not a show and that as much as you love your crown, family still comes first. And so that's one of the reasons why we feel like no matter who we reach out to, we'll connect with the right people. So I wanted to uh, first commend you on that and then ask you if you can give any advice to a young actress or actor out there trying to do what you've done what would your advice be you know it's been different parts of my life where i would give different advice but um as i as it would stand today i think the one thing is you don't want to give the generics like just be you or <laughs> um, 
I would say fight the good fight because you're going to fight. You're going to have to fight. You're going to have to fight to be sometimes taken seriously. Sometimes you're going to have to fight to be taken funny. (laughs) Sometimes you're going to have to fight to say, you know what? No, I shouldn't. This is not, this is not right. And when I was younger, we were definitely much more in the old Me Too days where there was a lot of having to like navigate your way through yuckiness and seediness so that you could just get a job. And um, I turned down a lot of things because they weren't right with my spirit. So like even in a killjoy, that set was fun and that set was and that those people that did that movie were were good people and mm-hmm. so that was an example of what i'm talking about but there's been other things on an even higher level where it just it wasn't right and for women in particular young women i would say you have to have the power of no because you'll live with yourself much better uh, in the years to follow when you look back on on the journey so I always say, fight the good fight, hang in there. Don't be afraid of the word no, meaning don't be afraid to say it and don't be afraid to receive it because you're going to get no. And it just means yes to something else. So you kind of have to just fight that good fight. And, and, and I hate to be cliche about it, but keep going. Keep going because you're going to have up years. You're going to have down years. Um, but eventually, I really do think if you're moving with this, with the positive spirit, it will all kind of lead you to where you're supposed to be. And whether that's doing your own work or like working with some amazing people, I can genuinely grateful that I've been, I've just worked with some amazing people. And when it wasn't amazing, it didn't work and I was no longer around them. Well, and from the bottom of our heart, thank you so much. We we wish you nothing but continued success. Tell the one-year-old we thank say good night and tuck them in for us, okay? Thank you, and good thank luck, you. you guys, with this. It's great that you're doing it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Find us in all these links. It's coming up right now.